Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Please open with me to John chapter 1 as we continue our series titled The Exalted Christ. The Exalted Christ. This has been so wonderful for me personally. This is our fourth or fifth week and we're not out of the first chapter, but it's been so good and um, I love to study the Word of God. How many people are ready to learn something new about the exalted Christ? Amen. You ready? All righty. Well, we've learned a lot of, a number of things about Jesus, the exalted Christ, but today we're going to see how he begins to build the church. And today we're going to see how he calls the, the first members of the church into his body. And the key is that he called them. He called them. Because Jesus calls. How many know Jesus calls? That's what the exalted Christ does. He calls from the very beginning when Jesus began his ministry, he called people and all the way to the very end until, until, he, until e- eternity opens up and time ends. Till Jesus comes back, you know what he's going to be doing? He's going to be calling because Jesus calls. What we're going to learn is that Jesus calls and his disciples follow Everyone say that with me. Jesus calls and his disciples follow. Amen. That's the key. That's the key to this passage. Jesus calls and his true disciples, they follow. And what I want to ask you to do today is I want you to personalize this message. I want you to ask yourself questions like, have you heard the call? Are you following the call? Are you walking in the call? Where is your life today in regards to the call of God? That's what we're going to be looking at today. And so let's read John chapter 1 beginning with verse uh, 35. We're going to read to the end of the chapter. It says, the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. This is the second time he says it, but there's a different emphasis this time because he's basically telling his own disciples, okay, look, the Lamb of God. I've been talking about him. This is why I've come. I've been speaking about him. And it says, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Now, one of the things that you see about the life of John is that he didn't call people to follow him. He called people to follow Christ. That's what you see. And no matter how big a ministry is, how many know, no matter how big a calling is, the big call is always to get people to follow Jesus. Now it says, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what are you seeking? By the way, your translation, if you have the NIV, it says, what do you want? I kind of injected the word seeking because this is all, most of the translations have seeking. We're reading out of the NIV, but I changed one word. 
okay, because literally it means what are you seeking. And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, the anointed one. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Okay. And he say, and Nathanael asked, come and see, Philip, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now what I love about the way he ends this is we're not going to preach about this, but I want to I just say this for a minute. What I love about the way he ends this is that he says, listen, if you answer my call, I'm going to open up my kingdom to you, and you're going to see all of the heavenly traffic. You're going to see all of the amazing things that I'm doing. I'm going to show you. Don't you want to be part of the heavenly kingdom traffic today? Amen? So the title of the message today is Jesus Calls. And I want to pray that we would respond to the call of God. One of my concerns, I've been serving the Lord over 30 years now. One of my concerns is that the younger Christians are more dialed into the call of God than the older ones. So this is for everyone today. You see, what I find is the older I get, the more I pray for God's leading and guidance. The, lo the older I get, the, the, the more I even learn from the Bible, the more I realize I know so little and I need to learn so much. After reading the Bible for 30 years, I have to tell you, I open it often and feel like this is so vast, this is so huge, I, I don't even know a drop of the word. Because who could know the wonders and the glories of God? When we get to heaven, we'll spend the rest of eternity discovering who God is in all of his glory. So this word is for all of us, every single one of us. 
He's calling every day and he's speaking every day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day and this time. Lord, what a beautiful time in your presence today. And uh, Lord, we thank you so much for your word. And Lord, we know that as we open the Bible today, in a sense, we're opening you. Because you are the word. That's what John 1 tells us. And we want to receive something personal from you today. Deliver us from an ordinary church service. Let there be a divine transaction between our hearts and yours. Bless this word. Bless our time together. Help my feeble lips. God, hide me behind the cross. Oh, Lord, and we want to leave here closer to you. Thank you for all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You know, everyone who's ever been saved was really called by God. Sometimes he calls us through prophets or preachers. You know, like he used John in this passage. Sometimes he calls us through a brother and someone comes and tells you, come, you got to come here about Jesus or let me tell you about Jesus. Other times it's like straight up between like you see in this passage between Philip, you, you know, and the Lord himself. Some people he calls directly and personally. All over the world, Jesus is revealing himself in, his, in, his, in Islamic countries. One of the main ways that people become Christians is they get a vision of Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus calls. And so everyone who is ever saved is really, they've answered a call that has come from their heavenly father. And um, what I want to do is take the next few moments to talk about exactly what is the call. And what is the call of the exalted Christ to all of us, even today. So we're going to be looking at a few aspects of the call of God. And uh, really the rest of this book will all be about revelations of the exalted Christ. And then walking, learning how to walk in the call of God. Now the first aspect of that call is the call to relationship. Jesus calls us to relationship. The first words that are recorded of Jesus speaking in this gospel are, what are you seeking? And, um, and that is a really good question today. Look at me for a moment. What are you seeking? Why did you come to church today? You know, what did you expect out of the day? Did you come to hear a preacher? Did you come to hear a choir? Did you come out of obligation? What are you seeking? You see? So this is a very powerful question that he was asking them. And, and then when they reply, here's what he says, and I love this. He said, come, he replied, and you will see. Now, when I say he calls us to relationship, they understood. When Jesus said, come, and you will see, they understood because this is what rabbis would do. All right? This is what rabbis would do. Rabbis would take disciples and they would not just meet with them, you know, every day. Rabbis would take disciples into their lives. This was a come and stay with me, come and be acquainted with me. Yes, teachers invite us into their classrooms. Jesus invites you into his life. Jesus' invitation is an invitation 
to relationship. That relationship begins with salvation. Now listen, you have to listen very closely. This is very, very important. Okay, when Jesus calls, the first call is a call to relationship. How does a person become a Christian? They start a relationship with Jesus. They confess that he is the son of God. They, they accept that he was the savior of the world. And then they say, I want you not just to be the savior of the world. I want you to be my savior. I want you to be my Lord. Aren't you thankful for the day that you opened your heart and said, Jesus, be my Lord and savior. No better decision. The greatest decision. Why? Because it opens up the door. It's the beginning of the greatest relationship. You see, and so when he calls us, he calls us to relationship, and it begins with salvation. But what we have to understand is that that, that moment of accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that moment of answering the call is a call to an eternal relationship. It's not just, it's not just for a little while. See, a lot of us on the earth, we have a short-term approach to relationships. We have a, a, a relationship with God the way we might have a relationship with our doctor. We call the doctor when we're sick. I need you, but we don't really have a relationship. You see, some people have a short-term approach. They have a, I want to check in with you once a week type of relationship, but that's not the kind of relationship. Jesus says, come and be acquainted with me. You see, some people, they, they're like, you know what, I have a, I'll, I'll call on you when I'm in trouble kind of relationship. You know, I'm in trouble, God, help me. My parents taught me to pray. And that's fine, but that's not really what Jesus wants. What are you seeking? What Jesus is seeking is a real relationship. Day by day, that you're really walking with him. Some people, it's a, I'll check in with you, I'm in trouble. You know, some people have a, I'm in need of a ceremony kind of relationship. I need a wedding. Or I need a, a baby dedication. You know, or I need someone to do a funeral. And they, their orbit is not really with God in the center. You see, God is on the periphery of their lives. But how many know Jesus came to be the center of our lives? Can I tell you a quick story? You know, we do baby dedications at this church, and um, a lot of people, a lot of people think that baby dedications are for the baby, but baby dedications are not for the baby. Baby dedications are for the parents. Okay, and you know why? Because the baby has no clue. Baby dedications are something sacred where parents get a, they, they, they're blessed with a child and they take the child and they come into God's house. This is what they did with Jesus. And they say to God, God, this gift you gave to us, we want to give this gift back to you. And we want you to have your way with this child's life. And we want your, we want your help. We want your protection. We want your assistance. We want your guidance. Lord, we don't want a ceremony. We want you. You see? And so a relationship is not a ceremony. I want to say that. A relationship is not a ceremony. Interestingly enough, and this, this almost hurts me to say in such, a, such an important day, but it hurts me to say this story. But I want to tell you, uh, uh, a couple years ago, someone came 
uh, someone was visiting, and we had a baby dedication. And as we prayed for the baby, the presence of God came down. It was somehow it was very, it was blessed. And so the person reached out to us and said, we want to dedicate our baby at your church. So they didn't even live here. Um, and so we were like, well, you know, typically um, we dedicate the babies of the people that are in our church because this is about fellowship. This is about community. This is about, and we will tell them, look, my kids, I praise God for everybody here because my kids have grown up with a thousand aunts and uncles. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for every time you prayed for my kid or, or whatever. Or, or, you know, if, if one of them was acting up, you say, hey, you know, Tommy, get in line or whatever it is, you know. Tommy gets it all the time now, doesn't he? <laughs> you know. But this is community. So the best place to dedicate your child is where he's going to grow up and worship. So that everyone who's praying is carrying the burden, Amen. But so anyway, we had this conversation, and as we started to talk to the person, uh, um, we discovered that this lady had been living in a common law marriage with this man. They weren't married, but it was common law in their minds, okay? And always remember, common law doesn't mean God's law. And God's law is above all common laws. Amen? So they were in a common law marriage, so to speak. And, and she wanted us to pray for the child and all that. And, and, and we were like, look, you're, you're, you, do you think there's, a mag there's magic in a ceremony? No. Okay. This is about relationship. You see. This is about Jesus being the center of your life, helping you to raise this child for the glory of God. Anyway, it turns out that I had the good fortune of being in the same place where they were. And guess what I did? I laid hands on the baby and I prayed over the baby. But come to find out a year later that they, the lady left the man. Here's why. She wanted, a she wanted a ceremony, not a relationship. So Jesus begins the calling. And it really challenges everyone, even those that go to church. Because what it says is, what are you seeking? Because here's what I'm calling you for. Here's what I'm calling you to. I'm calling you to relationship. I'm calling you to come and to know me. I'm calling, uh, the Bible says that Jesus is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. The Bible says Jesus is close as the mention of his name. When Jesus calls, he calls us to relationship. He doesn't call us to religion. He doesn't call us to all this heady stuff. And some people like talking about all of this heady theological stuff. And they love debating and talking and blah, 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 blah. And they don't really know Jesus. You see? But we want to know Jesus. How many want to know? We want to walk in relationship with Jesus. Hallelujah. That's what he calls us to. He says, come and see. Come and abide with me. Come and stay with me. You know, it's going to be awesome. And I want to encourage you today to, to discover the riches of the relationship that you can have with Jesus. When you're in relationship with Jesus... It is wonderful, more wonderful than anything else you'll ever know or experience. So the first call is a call to relationship. Then the second call 
is really a call to follow. Okay? See, when you get into a relationship with Jesus, it's an uplifting, edifying relationship. It's the most amazing, edifying relationship. And it happens as you follow him. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and he said to him, everyone say this with me, follow me. He said, follow me. And this was a call to discipleship. Okay? This was a call to do life together. What is a disciple? You ever think about what a disciple is? A disciple is an avid follower of Christ and his teachings. A disciple is an avid follower of Christ and his teachings. So when Jesus says, follow me, he means follow him closely. It means a, it's, a, it's a, a serious, close kind of thing. It's not, it's not a, a shallow, distant relationship. It's a close thing. Now, I think that follow is a very important word to discuss today because we live in a world where the word follow has really changed our cultural understanding. So a lot of times uh, uh, we might say, follow me. Someone might say, follow us on Instagram or follow us on Facebook or how many followers do you have? And how many know when Jesus says, follow me, he's not talking about follow me on Instagram. He's not talking about check in with me a little bit. He's talking about something completely different. This is not an Instagram type of conversation here. You know, this is not a Facebook type. And it's great to stay connected to people through Facebook. It might be great to, to find out what someone is doing on Instagram and exciting things that are happening on their life. I don't want to demean that, but I just want to uh, uh, accentuate that that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about following closely. It's almost like this. It's almost like in those days, the disciples, they were covered in the dust of the rabbi's sandals. You see? So here's a great question. Are you covered in your master's dust? Because you're walking so close to the master that wherever he goes, that's where you want to go. You see, and you, all of that dust is getting on you. How many of you know we should smell like Jesus? We should look like Jesus. We, wherever Jesus has been, that's where we should be. How many would say amen? We want to be covered in that dust, amen? We want to be close to him. This is what, when he said, follow me, he said, follow me. And as he calls us, brothers and sisters, we are watching we are intently observing. We are listening. You see? Very important thing that the older you get in God, always remember you're still just a disciple. All right? You're still just a disciple. When I got up this morning, I said, Jesus, I need you to help me to preach today. Okay? I need you to help me to, to do everything that I'm going to do. You know, when we get up, we need to say, Jesus, you know, how, how do I grow in my marriage? What is it that, what is it, how do you want me to do this, Lord? Because 
I want to I wanna learn from you. I want to learn what your word says. And this is why we should be such incredible people of the word. Because, you see, when you're reading the word, you're following Jesus. How could you follow Jesus if you don't read his word? You know, we should know the Bible more than anything else. I'm going to say that one more time. We should know the Bible more than anyone else and anything else. A lot of people would say and say, that is a fanatical statement. So be it. Okay? So be it. You know? It's funny how because you, you can get to know God and God can give you wisdom as you read his word, he can give you wisdom for business. He can give you wisdom for marriage. He can give you wisdom for finances. He can give you wisdom for everything that you need. How many know it's all found in the word? Because when you become a disciple, you get the greatest teaching that exists in this universe. It just doesn't get better than being a disciple of Jesus. And so I want to pause here for a second, okay? And I want to ask you, how are you in your discipleship? How are you in your following? When you look at the central core issues of your life, who speaks loudest to those issues? Who's guiding you? Who's teaching you? You know, I'll never forget. I have a, an image embedded in my mind. You know, I have to say something about baseball. And um, I'll never forget the day I was in a, in a, I was in a tournament in, in, in um, Waterbury, Connecticut. It was the minor league. We were playing at a minor league stadium. It was the minor league stadium for the Cincinnati Reds. And, um, and so we were playing at this stadium, and we actually played after the minor leaguers played, or maybe the minor leaguers had practice, I don't remember. But I'll never forget, I walked into the stadium, and I had the benefit of experiencing this a couple of times with pro athletes, but I walked into the stadium, and there was a young guy, and he was like ripped, right? This, he was like thin and ripped, and he looked like a you're like, yo, that dude, right? I, don't even, I haven't even seen him touch a bat, but he's a beast. I already know it. Right? So he's standing there with the bat. He's like this there with the bat, and he's like this. And there's a guy there, old, old gentleman. He was all gray hair, really wrinkled face. And he had on a baseball uniform, but he had on a T-shirt, and his sleeves were cut like this. And his sleeves were cut, and his arms were gigantic. <laughs> so he's sitting there, and he's talking to the guy gently and all that. And then something in my heart, you know, I was in baseball mode. Something in my heart told me, that old guy right there, uh, he, I'm sure he used to be a beast. Well, it turns out that guy was Ted Kluzinski, which the guys who know, know that dude was a beast. So here's this young guy who, who's in the minor league system, and he's sitting there listening intently. He didn't say, he, he wasn't there going, hey, do you know who I am? I got drafted. Do you know who I am? I was a superstar in my high school or college. No, he was like this. 
Because you know what? Ted Kwasinski was talking. That brother hit a lot of home runs in the big leagues. And he still had the arms to show it. You see? And so that, that young man understood the value of the moment. Well, I want you to multiply this example by a hundred trillion, billion, zillion, whatever. And realize that we have an opportunity every single day to learn from the greatest teacher, to learn from the exalted Christ. He said, if you seek me, you'll find me. We have such an amazing opportunity to really, really know him and be led by him. And that's what discipleship is all about. Some, when, we, when we're in the wrong mindset, we think that discipleship is about God but really, discipleship is about God helping us. Because how many know we need him? We need to be led by him. We need to be directed by him. That's why you see all through the Psalms, so many times the psalmists are praying, lead me, Lord. They're singing, lead me, Lord. Guide me, Lord. Show me your ways, oh God. Teach me your truth, oh God. Hallelujah. And discipleship is all about being close enough to Jesus that you could learn how to live in a way that is pleasing and honoring to him. It is a powerful thing. If the, if the musicians could come, I want to make my last point and then make some room to pray. But listen to me. It is a very powerful thing when you really become a follower of Jesus. But follower means disciple. Follower means, when they said rabbi, that meant master. You see, the, in, in their understanding in that day, you know, they, they would say, Rabbi, but when they said Rabbi, that literally meant master. And listen, the best thing that you and I can do is follow every single thing that Jesus says. How many would say amen? amen. How many want to follow Jesus? Can we put our hands together and say, we love you, God. We want you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can I tell you, when I handed the mic to Henry today and he prayed, I wanted to come back and pray over him and Allie. Okay, because, because God's hand is on their lives. I really did. I was like, whoa, that's a man of God who just prayed right there. You know? Like, wow. So listen, here's the last thing. Okay, this is the, 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 the last aspect of how Jesus called. Jesus calls us to relationship. And then he calls us to follow. He calls us to discipleship. Okay? But built into that call is a call to destiny. I want you to look at this. It says, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him. When, when the Bible says looked at him, it means that he looked at him very intently. 
all right? That's the way God looks at you all the time. And it says, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Now, um, the word Peter, uh, in in Aramaic, Cephas and Peter, if I get this correctly, they mean the same thing. And what they both mean is rock. Okay? First time he meets Peter, he says to him, listen, I'm going to make you a rock. The minute that Peter answered the call, the first day of his interaction with God, Peter didn't realize that as God was calling him, he was actually calling him to a destiny. He was saying, Peter, you are going to be a rock. Now, when you look at Peter's life, here's basically, if I could paraphrase, he was saying this about Peter. He was saying, Peter, I know that you're volatile, unsteady. You speak out of turn. You have foot and mouth disease. I know that you're going to deny me. I already know all of that. But as you grow with me, you're also going to find an amazing destiny. You see? Because when God calls you, he sees things inside of you that you don't see. And when God calls you, he calls you with this incredible plan in mind. Because he's more than a teacher. He is God. Jesus is God. He's the king of glory, the king of the universe, the master of all things, and he is the one who's able. He's able to not only form us in our mother's womb, but actually design our lives for his glory. Amazing, amazing. Now, when he changed Peter's name, he didn't change everyone else's name, but I need to say this. When he changed Peter's name, it wasn't that he only wanted to change one individual name, okay? It was actually he was using it as an example of what he would eventually and want to do for every single individual. You see? What's your name, brother? Rob. Rob. When Jesus says, Rob, follow me, built into Rob, follow me, is destiny. You see? And you know what? He can call us to a destiny because he's God. This is why we don't surrender. It's foolish to surrender to a philosophy. It's foolish to surrender to a guru. Jesus was more than a guru. Jesus was God. You see? He was the son of the living God. He was the eternal word. He was God in the flesh. He was the sacrificial lamb. Hallelujah. He was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Everything. He was the biggest, the greatest, you see. And he loves us so much that he comes down and he calls us. He calls us to destiny. Listen, I want to I want to give you a quick, a quick chain of verses that would go from this moment. Later on in Matthew chapter 16, Peter got a revelation that Jesus was the Christ. 
okay? And here's what he said. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, referring to the first time, I will build my church. You see, when he called him Peter, he knew that this was coming. And when, as Peter grew, as the revelations of his life grew, now something significant. He says, Peter, listen, you are rock. And on this rock, he was talking about himself, but he was talk, also talking about Peter. I'm going to build through you, Peter. You used to be unstable, but now I'm going to make you immovable. You see, listen, watch. Later on, Peter did deny God, but later on he comes back. He says, Peter, feed my sheep because my plan for you hasn't changed. Just because we make mistakes, how many know God doesn't make mistakes? You see? Then watch, when the church is born, okay, you're going to be called Cephas. You're going to be called Peter. You're going to be called Rock. Watch this. When the church is born, it says, then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice. And address the crowd. Peter was the first preacher of the church. The New Testament church was born at this moment. And guess what? God took that unsteady, volatile, loud mouth, okay, braggart at some times. And he raised him up to be a rock. You know why? Because from day one, he called them to destiny. Can I read this quote by G. Campbell Morgan? We're going to close in just a moment. Look at what G. Campbell Morgan said about this passage. He said, men would say, oh, yes, we all know old Simon. He is a good sort, but heavens above, save us from him. We cannot build on him. That is the expression that men use of that sort of man. He knew men could not build on him, but here were eyes looking into his. And a voice that said, you shall be called rock. You shall be a man men can build on. Our Lord had captured him. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the, man, of the one who captures us. He captures us and he calls us to destiny. That's why we sing... Holy, there is no one like you. I will build my life upon your love. Because there's no one like Jesus. There's no one like him. And can I tell you something? When he called you, he called you to an amazing destiny. Last week, 43 people gave their lives to Christ. Hallelujah. Can we praise God? That means that there were 43 calls to destiny. That's what it was. Okay? It's a call to destiny. Oh, if we could just... Open our hearts and say, God, more than anything else, I want to be close to you. More than anything else, I just want to be close to you. If we could just get close to Jesus, eye has not seen, ear has not heard 
we don't have to call ourselves. We don't have to call out our destiny. Here's the last thing I'll say, and then I want to pray. You know, um, there was a recent, one of our, our staff members doing research heard a podcast where so many famous celebrities um, after accomplishing these great amazing things one of the, the, the outcomes, the aftermath of these great amazing things was is, is this all there is? We're talking about Tom Brady Bruce Spring, uh, Springsteen Richard Pryor uh, uh, Jerry West, so many famous people. Do you know uh, Deion Sanders gave his heart to the Lord after, after they won the Super Bowl because he went back to his room. He was so empty. He made a phone call. I've said this before. He made a phone call. He didn't know what to do, so he bought a, a, like a Lamborghini or a Ferrari by, the, by phone just because he could, and he was so empty. He finally surrendered his life to Christ. That night, at the pinnacle, it really was the lowest. You know why? Because nothing on this earth can deliver the satisfaction and the joy unspeakable and full of glory that Christ can. So listen, in this, in this podcast, a famous comedian said, when you accomplish something great, you discover the limits of your own ability to make yourself happy. All right? So here's the last thing. Everybody needs to know, especially all young people. The older you get, the more you realize this, but all of us. Success is not destiny. Destiny is something that begins with relationship and ends in eternity when we see him face to face. This is not a short-term relationship. This is an eternal relationship. That's what it's all about. Let's lift our hands to him. Hallelujah, Jesus. We want to follow you, God. We want to follow you. We pray that your destiny would be fulfilled. Every single person. Let your destiny be fulfilled, oh God, by your mighty power. go from this place worshiping you and honoring you. We thank you. We give you all the glory. Lord, we just want to leave here and stay close. God, I pray that we would stay close. In the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said, amen. Could we put our hands together and bless the Lord. Amen. God bless you. Greet one another before you go. We hope to see you Tuesday.